to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We are broadcasting live from UBC's Point Grey campus on the unceded ancestral and traditional Muslim territory in Vancouver. I'm your host, Sara Unju, and I have wonderful people with me in the studio. I'm not alone today. <laughs> I have You're so excited to not be alone. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so exciting to not be alone in the studio. Yeah. I have Lua, I have Olivia, and I have Alex. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. So we have a wonderful show for you today. Uh, it's not as filled as the others, which gives us a lot of time to speak for as long as we want for about the things that we're going to be talking about. And by as long, I mean until we hit one hour. <laughs> so we're going to quickly start with a shout out. And right after, I think we'll go into our pre-recorded interview. Have a quick Adam PSA break, and then we'll be back after the rest of the reviews. And actually, something exciting, after the first half of the show, Alex will be taking over the controls. So, yeah, <laughs> practice. <laughs> exactly. So exciting. So, our shout out goes to Oh Christmas Tea. Um, so, this is a all ages spectacular that is coming to Vancouver this holiday season. It's actually already come to Vancouver. They had their first show on November 23rd uh, at the Kami Center in West Vancouver. And their second show is on December 22nd at 7.30 p.m. at the Centennial Theater in North Vancouver. So British comedy legends James and Jamesy are set to once more flood the Pacific Northwest with joy and laughter in Oh Christmas Tea, a show which is already a holiday tradition for thousands of theatergoers and a true cla Christmas classic for all ages. Uh, if you have still yet to be in the theater since the season opened, I think this is a great chance for you to go and enjoy both the theater and the Christmas spirit. And if you live in North Vancouver, it's even better because I feel like most of the things that we talk about are in, um, well, not in North or West Vancouver, just like Vancouver, you know? <laughs> and so again, Oh Christmas Tea, December 22nd at 7.30 p.m. at the Centennial Theater in North Vancouver. Uh, you can get tickets, just search up O Christmas Tea, and by O Christmas Tea, I mean like O as in the letter O, and then Christmas and T. It's very straightforward. <laughs> um, so up next, we have our interview with Jim Smith, who is basically a an arts report regular at this point. So Jim is the artistic director of Dance House, and... As you might know, Dance House, alongside with other um, companies in Canada, they started this thing called DigiDance, which is, well, they uh, show dance performances online. So it's and the streaming dance. Yes. You can stream dance. Exactly, yes. And it's pretty great because they usually stream the shows that have already closed and aren't currently on and you can't watch them for example the one that we talk about today has been recorded in 2016 and it first like it first was performed in 2010 so that's exciting <laughs> yeah it is and everything sounds pretty exciting too so i'm just gonna let um past me and jim take over and yeah we'll be back after the ads and psas enjoy Hello everyone, today I have with me Jim Smith, who is the Artistic Director of Dance House, and we will be talking about Babel 7.16, which will be presented within Dance. Hi Jim, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Um, so... As I said, we are here to talk about the upcoming presentation with DigiDance. But before we get into it, I want to ask how going back to live performance has been because Dance House opened its doors and you've already had two in-house shows this season. How has everything been? I have to say there has been nothing more gratifying and satisfying than coming back into the theater and welcoming both artists and an audience. 
and feeling, you know, not only that coming together, that sense of communion that happens in the theater and at that moment when a performance is about to begin, but also that exchange of energy, which, uh, while we, you know, we watch things in the, you know, on our screen these days, of course, it uh, just doesn't compare to actually being a part of a performance, whether you're an audience member or whether you're a performer, and feeling the energy shift in the room and how you're part of that performance, how you contribute to it, whether... You know, you're providing energy that the performers are, you know, responding to or sensing uh, or otherwise. So I have to say, well, we've been, you know, um, not at 100 percent, given some restrictions of capacity. Mm-hmm. It has been nothing but joyous uh, for, I think, everybody. And I, you know, I sort of note that, that the response at the end of performances, I think, are uh, as much as enthusiastic as they are. Uh, for the performance that has just happened, but also a uh, real recognition of being back in the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so exciting that you're also continuing with DigiDance uh, alongside the in-house performances. I'm really happy that it's not just a, you know, lockdown project and because it's such an accessible way for people to watch dance shows and dance shows that are not being put on right now. For example, um, Babel 7.16, it was... Uh, recorded in 2016, you mentioned? That's correct. Yeah, and so could you tell us what uh, Babel 7.16 is? What's the story and the inspiration behind it? Sure, absolutely. And I uh, just want to agree and underline that, uh, you know, the accessibility provided by offering some digital work is something that we really value and is a wonderful legacy, I would say, coming out of the lockdown period. But also from a programming perspective, it also allows us to bring works that we otherwise might not be able to put on the stage, either Mm -hmm. because of their scale or scope, as is the situation with Babel, or otherwise. But now, turning specifically to Babel, this is... um, a work that I've admired for a long time, and I'll confess that it was one that um, my former colleague, colleague Barb Clawson, who was uh, you know, a, a, a co-artistic director at one point in time, we actually tried to land this work, a, a previous version of it, which was a bit smaller in Vancouver, but were not successful because of timing and scheduling. All the various you know, factors that conspire <laughs> to mm-hmm. not make things happen in the performing arts world. So it's a super thrill to be able to bring the work into the programming at this time, and all the more so recognizing that it is a version that was um, put forward in July of 2016 Mm -hmm. uh, for a presentation in France, which was uh, further developed and expanded. So it has like a huge epic cast, and it's a performance of, you know, some two hours, which unto itself is somewhat exceptional for dance performances Mm -hmm. these days, I would say, contemporary dance performances. And turning to the actual inspiration for the work, uh, the two choreographers, here I'm going to start with them, mm-hmm. uh, C.D. Larby Cherikawi and uh, Damien Jalet, who are both Belgian, um, one uh, having mother tongue of Flemish, the other of French, sort of, you know, they, they really are the nucleus of um, challenging this notion of the limitations of uh, spoken word or spoken language and how it can be corrupted in terms of people speaking to one another. And um, they, 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 picked, you know, the, 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 the tale of uh, the Tower of Babel, which, of course, mm-hmm. is a biblical reference to this notion of, um, you know, while trying to build a tower to get closer to God, you know, everybody, the human species was all cursed in the fact that they spoke different languages. And um, again, if we look at Belgium, where there's been some tension going on about these cultural differences, you mm-hmm. know, as they're manifest by language, are such an interesting microcosm of uh, that you know, that very issue. And then if we blow it into, you know, a notion of a, a world or a global understanding, uh, the more we face uh, trying to come together to contend with things like, you know, global warming or a pandemic, yeah. um, we recognize how, you know, language or cultural differences, uh, well, there are strength in so many regards in terms of allowing and recognizing diversity to happen in different ways of thinking. But language itself, is potentially part of the friction or part of the challenge in terms of trying to allow this coming together. Um, the other thing that I, I just want to add, because I feel like I'm talking a bit too much here, <laughs> no. is that um, the, the, the presentation begins with the notion how, uh, of how before there was language, 
it was gesture that uh, allowed everybody to communicate and understand one another. And, and I think that is so true. Um, you know, again, I work in dance, and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm, I'm, I always feel like there's a need to remind everybody when they approach a dance performance that they, too, have a, you know, a physical vocabulary of understanding what it means when you shrug your shoulders or when you wave hello or when you wave goodbye. Mm-hmm. That these gestures that are all embedded in our daily life and our ongoing way of being in the world are indeed a gesture of language. And dance grows out of that tradition and out of that idea. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was... Everything you said, I was just... It all sounds really amazing. And I can't believe that you said that the dance performance is two hours. That's true. I'll offer just so that I, I gave some scaring people off going, oh, my God, I've got two hours to sit in front of a screen. Um, uh, again, if you if you were to sit in this for, you know, if you're sitting in the theater to experience such a performance, of course, it would be an overwhelming, uh, you know, stimulus and opportunity. One of the benefits I would offer about being able to view it in a digital format is, of course, you get to uh, take a break or two if you mm-hmm. feel so. That's the right thing to do. And you also get to go back and sort of review some of the opportunities. So it was um, not lost on us uh, with my programming colleagues across the country, because, again, this is uh, mm-hmm. being done by four dance presenting organizations in Canada, yes. that we thought that, uh, you know, December was the perfect time to put forward such an epic work when, you know, rather than having images of sugar plum fairies dancing in our head, for example, mm-hmm. and watching the Nutcracker, maybe watching something that is as involved and such as epic as Bebel felt like a right choice. Yeah, amazing. And um, from you, what you said, I can assume that the performance isn't live streamed, but it's more like a recorded video where people can stop and continue at any time they want. That's it, exactly. And okay. the recording was, uh, again, just that 7.16 refers to the mm-hmm. performance that was captured in July of 2016. Wonderful. And um question I want to ask. So for Digidance, you guys previously had uh, Red Sky performances. And then as Dan Ho- Dance House, you also recently hosted them for live shows. And yeah. similar to that, would you be willing to host uh, this project in Dance House? I don't even know if that's even possible since, for example, Jale is an independent choreographer and um, everyone, I don't know if it would be even possible, but if so, is that something that you would be wanting to do? So that is an excellent question uh, when you're when you're the programmer <laughs> for a series <laughs> such as this. Uh, just because the answer would be absolutely would love to welcome uh, this work. Because, again, I feel like the experience that you see digitally is not necessarily the same as how it's going to feel in the theater. That being said, this production is no longer in um, rotation. It's no longer on offer and that there isn't uh, an active live um, production that is uh, available at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's captured in time. And again, this particular presentation was a particularly special one that was uh, put a bit on steroids in terms of the size of the cast and the duration of the piece itself. Mm-hmm. But I would, but I would, you know, just to, just to capture up on that, I would say that in terms of approaching program, the thing that I'm always very mindful of is, yes, we want to, you know, put in front of an audience something that is, you know, going to provoke them, uh, mm-hmm. make them think and satisfy them in a whole bunch of ways. Uh, um, but I always feel like there's a need to try and bring uh, choreographers in particular, the creative uh, forces and idea uh, designers behind these works back uh, so that, you know, uh, an audience gets the opportunity to grow a greater understanding of their work. And I mm-hmm. me, I always think this is something that, you know, book festivals do so well, where the focus so much is on the author. And, you know, uh, Margaret Atwood comes to town, and yes, there's a number of books inside of her oeuvre, the, you know, the opus of work that she's created. And the same is true with choreographers, but there isn't necessarily always the same spotlight put on the choreographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but from a programming perspective, I'm very mindful of trying to make sure that, you know, anyone choreographer comes to the stage not not once but um you know a couple of times so that an audience can see a broader perspective of their career and their work Mm -hmm. yes and i remember for the red sky performance there was a post-show talk with the um yeah with a couple people including the uh choreographer so like just like you said i feel like 
it's such a great way to um, understand the piece a little bit more deeply and um, have a better understanding of what you've just seen with uh, things like that, with understanding and talking to the choreographer. So, I, I would I would agree, and I should add that in these digital uh, offerings, uh, one of the add-ons, so in addition to the two hours of viewing, there's <laughs> also about a 15 to 20 minute sort of wraparound piece, as we call it, which is a series of interviews that are very fresh. They've actually just been captured in the past four to six weeks, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's trying to serve that same function of providing, you know, the artist's voice in terms of speaking about their work, but also providing some context around, you know, where the work came from, potentially what were some of the intentions in terms of developing the work. So hopefully uh, some of that same uh, satisfaction of hearing from the artist is also put forward in these digital offerings. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's amazing. I did not know that. Uh, that just made me even more excited to watch it. <laughs> Good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) And so before we go, would you like to remind everyone when and where they can watch Babel? So you can access uh, getting information about Babel uh, through the Dance House website, and that's dancehouse.ca. We tried to make that as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the performance actually begins on the 8th uh, of December and runs all the way through to the 24th. And again, the, uh, when you sign up, uh, you have access to uh, the offering, to that material for the duration of that run. So again, you can go back to it, you can stop and start, you can return and watch it for a second time should you choose. So lots of flexibility. Again, another another way to help celebrate the holidays is with a little bit of dance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's amazing. Well, Jim, thank you so much for coming on to the show today and talking with me. I am really excited to see Babel for myself. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Wish you all the best for the holidays and also to all of your listeners as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I wish you a happy holiday too. Take care. All the best. This Quarter Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theatre, This Quarter lives. Favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theatre. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at rickshawtheatre.com. Let's see here. Uh... God. Oh. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody, God, this is awful. Isn't there anything? 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 Listening to the radio these days can be distressing. Fortunately, here at CITR, our programmers choose the music that they play, so our charts reflect what people actually listen to. To find out what's really topping the charts, pick up a copy of Discord or Magazine, or check us out online at citr.ca. Unless, of course, you'd rather keep listening to the chart-topping single, Everybody Dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody dance. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? (laughs) Hello. What, you don't like to dance, dance? Everybody dance. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. I hope you liked that (laughs) interview. Why are you laughing at me? Not at you, at us starting the show with... What, me starting the show? Would you like to dance, dance? And then, yeah. Not going to lie, it's still in my head. I mean, it is the top charting song. Yeah, don't you want to listen to everybody dance? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that is very us, though. Uh, Yes, Uh, that's basically, yeah. And I think it's a great way to introduce one of the reviews we're going to have today. Yes, dance. Dance, (laughs) yeah. The one that's dance, yeah. Exactly. So I watched Red Sky Performance Dance. Um... on the 25th I want to say so basically the person I talked to in that interview you just listened to Jim Smith is the artistic director of Dance House here in Vancouver and even though we talked about DigiDance in that interview what Dance House um, normally did and still does uh, was host dance companies from all over the world so you get to see different dance companies right here in Vancouver. 
And this time, the second show of the season was from Toronto. So they hosted Red Sky Performance, and the show was called Trace. Alex, would you mind reading the... Um, Yep, that for me, because I can't see it from here. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, we are traceable to the very beginnings of the universe. Our ancestral origins stretching across the Milky Way to the atoms burning inside of us is the here and now on Earth. Trace is a highly kinetic contemporary dance work inspired by indigenous Anishinaabe, sky and star stories, offering a glimpse into our origin as well as our future evolution. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So... Uh, That is Trace, and something I would like to say is this was definitely one of the best dance shows I have ever seen in my life. Um, Did it make you cry? Uh, it didn't make me cry. <laughs> I almost wanted to cry from happiness, though. <laughs> that's good, that's good, that's good. Yeah, last time I cried at a dance show, we were, I didn't even know why. Well, the fir- it was the first time ever I took you to a dance yes. show. Yes, oh my and God. <laughs> it, was, it was really, really good. Um, it was um I, Go Ballet, I believe. No, it no? wasn't Go Ballet. No, it was, I don't remember their name. It was the one with the weird head thing. Yeah, yeah, so basically it was very experimental. And the final piece in the dance show was this exploration of like, what happens after you die kind of thing. And they kind of like all ascended these stairs into nothingness. And it was just very <laughs> powerful. Very good, very good show. Yes. But both of us were just kind of like... Yeah, and then Lua turns to me. He's like, are you okay? And I'm just crying. I'm like, no, I don't even know why I'm crying. <laughs> it just, you know, opened up a door in my subconscious brain that I didn't know needed to be opened. Um, but yeah, so even though I cried in that one, not knowing why I was crying, in Trace, I wanted to cry simply because of how good it was. And I wanted to watch it again and again and again. It was like 15 minutes. And I I legit, I want to be like, okay, so 50 more minutes. And then <laughs> let's add another 50 and another, another 50, 50. And then we'll just turn this into a rehearsal. Is that fine? Like, let's just keep doing it. <laughs> so uh, this was uh, contemporary dance. And it was just the way I like it with very organic and flowing um, movements. And... <sighs> There were so many lifts in this dance. Basically, like 40 minutes out of the 50 minutes that they danced was lifts. It was lifts after lifts. Yeah. One of Yeah, and it was so really impressive because they didn't even fall once. Well, I'd hope they're professional dancers. <laughs> no, but seriously, I can't believe how you manage to put so many lifts into one dance and make all of them different from each other and engaging and interesting. And I don't know, it was just all amazing. And so there were six dancers, four female and two male dancers. And you know how in dance, typically, the male dancer is the one who is lifting the female dancer? Mm-hmm. Well, in Trace, they had that, but they also had parts where the two males were lifting each other or the That's female cool. dancers were lifting mm. each other too. And there was this one part of the dance where there were four people, so two pairs, in the backside. So... um. <laughs> So how do I, okay, they were basically in diagonal, and then the two were, the two in the back were a male and a female, and the two in the front were two females, and they were doing the exact same lifts, and... Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like like a mirror, almost. Yeah, Mm. and it was really cool, and, like, the concept was nice, and also you got to see these dancers being able to do the same lifts as the female dancers doing the same lifts as the male dancers who are, I would say, more used to lifting people. (laughs) Um, And yeah, also something really interesting about Trace is that they had live music, which is not very common in dance. So on the left side of the stage, on stage, it wasn't backstage, they had a couple people Some of them were singing, there were drums, guitar, I believe. Someone was mixing at the same time. And it started out 
with just a simple uh, singing of a woman, just a voice. And then the drums were added. And then in some part, so I mentioned this uh, to my, so I brought my friend. She's from L.A. and she's not very used to um, indigenous <laughs> culture because it, yeah, it's not as you know prominent how as it is here. And, yeah, exactly. Them. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so she was uh, she was completely surprised about what was uh, happening, which is basically throat singing that was being mixed. So it was like a throat singing remix. Um throat singing EDM version. I don't really know how to explain it, but it was really interesting. You could still hear the throat singing and it was mixed in a way that it was uh, like high tempo and was very, um, I can't find the right word. <laughs> like it was good for dance but they so they were doing contemporary and not traditional indigenous dancing right and so it was a i feel like a good mix of the two um but yeah it was really interesting and it was such a good show i as i said i wanted to cry from simply how good it was normally in anything whether it be theater or dance it takes me a while to get into it because I don't know. I just sit there and then it starts and I think to myself, I'm like, okay, yes, this is starting now. <laughs> I am watching something. I am actively watching something. They are acting or they are dancing. <laughs> um, and then after like 10 minutes, I am immersed in it and I don't actually think about what I'm doing. Um, but with this one, the second they stepped onto the stage, I was completely immersed in the performance and I could not take my eyes off of them. I was taking notes to like remember what was happening and I didn't want to take the notes. And so because I that means I had to look at my notebook to write, but I didn't want to because I didn't want to learn singles. how to like blind write. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously, I, that's the solution. Yeah. Um, the last time I did that, I couldn't read anything I wrote. So I was like, maybe I won't do that. <laughs> but yeah, and it's just... It was so good. I wanted to see it again. I really did, but I couldn't because my friend was here and I didn't want to take her a second time. <laughs> <laughs> they were running from the 24th to the 27th of November. I think that's the only unfortunate thing about the dance house yeah. performance is that they are very short. They're usually like just for one weekend, which is like, it really is your one-time opportunity to see yeah, them exactly which is both good because you know it's like ah, i saw it but yeah. also bad because it's like oh man so Could quick see it again. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly oh man i wish i hope either i can go to toronto when they're still doing trace yeah and watch them again or they can come to Vancouver again to do Trace, which I doubt they will because, yeah. yeah, they won't perform the same thing. But they really should. It was really good. <laughs> <They> should. <laughs> yeah. You know Repeat it. Repeat. Yeah, exactly. I want an Why encore. Not? Yeah. And all of the dancers. Oh, my God. They, like, as I said, there were so many lifts, right? And there were maybe one or two of them that didn't do any of the lifting and they were being lifted uh, all of the time. And you could just see, like, how jacked the dancers were <laughs> it was really cool i was like damn there's some strong people <laughs> and that is like dance does require strength and i feel like this show was the perfect example of that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i really don't know what else to say besides if you didn't see it i'm very sorry <laughs> that you couldn't get to see it and i really hope you get to see it at some point uh, in the future. Also, um, we did do a ticket giveaway for Trace, so you could have been um, one of the yeah. people that have uh, witnessed this wonderful performance and keep an eye out and listen to our upcoming shows because we do do ticket giveaways in partnership with the dance house and it's always very cool so yeah just a sh little a shameless up. plug there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and we usually post them on our instagram which is arts report citr <laughs> so give us a follow <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's all from my review because I'm just going to keep repeating the same things that I said about how great it was and how I wanted to watch it again. <laughs> but I don't think anyone wants to listen to me do that for an hour. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You can do that to me an hour after okay. the show. Yes, cool. I, I will. I will. <laughs> I will freak out about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we have two more reviews. We have Olivia's review and Lua's review. Um, which one of you would like to go first? <laughs> Olivia, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I am reviewing Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel, which is currently showing at the Vancouver Convention Center. Um, this is my first time doing a review on air for Woo! Arts Reported, <laughs> which is to say that I do just basically have like a text. I'm gonna just use it for reference and try not to like read off of it super blandly, mm -hmm. but we'll see how that goes. Um, so yeah, Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. It was really cool to summarize. I had a really good time um, seeing it. Uh, it really felt exciting to see art from around the world because I know that since beginning pandemic, we haven't really been able to go out and see art that exists outside of Canada or even outside of our city. And even pandemic aside, right? Like not everybody is able to go to Italy and see the Sistine Chapel. That, that, is, that is a fair. <laughs> like I've never seen it. And so this was my first chance at getting like a real in-depth visual analysis of it, I suppose. Um, so yeah, uh, like I said, Vancouver Convention Center, it's in the East Building, which is the one that has Flower for Canada in it. And I actually saw Imagine Picasso a few weeks earlier they're like beside each other which is very convenient if you wanted to do like two shows in one um it begins with like a small room um that has like a screen playing uh, a video about michelangelo about the sistine chapel is just a quick like rundown of everything if so if you didn't know anything about it it would be a good starting point which was good for me because i didn't know tons about it mm -hmm. um Anyway, after that, you just walk through into, like, the main section, which is this really large open room, um, and you meet with an attendant really quick. They give you, like, a super quick rundown of what to do and not to do, which is, says, which is essentially just, like, don't take flash photos and don't <laughs> sit down on the ground because people will trip on you. Um, and after that, you're just free to roam around. They have all the paintings that are normally, you know, up on top of the ceiling, put down and hung up like traditional paintings um, and they are in the same order that they are in the chapel aside from creation of adam which i was told is popular enough that it gets like its own basically like a selfie wall that oh, makes sense. Interesting. <laughs> it's actually so funny that you said that about the photography and sitting down because i went to the van gogh exhibit in toronto and that's all that happened <laughs> people <laughs> taking pictures and people sitting down on the floor so Honestly, that's just hilarious the, the flash i totally get but the sitting down on the floor like that is the kind of exhibit that i wanted like i went to the van gogh and i wanted to sit down on the floor because i wanted to like sit down and appreciate it like all i could think about was like how my feet hurt because you're there you're standing there for literally an hour to watch the show and it's just like anyway i have very mixed feelings <laughs> about this exhibit and other exhibits of this type but please continue yeah no i i went to van gogh as well and maybe they just changed the rule once it hit vancouver because everybody in toronto was sitting down <laughs> <Just> exhausted <laughs> I, have, I have never been able to sit at any and this is like my third kind of like retrospective big artist exhibition on like a famous artist from like a hundred years ago um and yeah this one i could see people like you know, it's not moving. It's not, like, immersive. So the need to sit down didn't feel as strong. But I totally see what you mean with that. Um, anyway, yeah, they had all the paintings up. They were all to scale except for The Last Judgment, which was at the very other end. Um, and I believe they told me it's actually smaller than it is in person. Like, it's a huge painting. And they just couldn't fit the actual size of it. Um, we love that. Into the convention room, which is surprising because the walls there are, like, super high. Uh, and so all the paintings are set up and they all have their little um, two or three sentence biographies to kind of give you some context. They're not really about Michelangelo or like the actual piece itself, like in a technical sense. They're mostly just kind of like descriptors of what you're seeing because all the imagery is like very biblical. And so if you didn't know who that figure was, you might just be like, what am I looking at? Mm -hmm. So I appreciated those. They did also have audiobooks that you could like QR scan outside. And I wish I did. 
I went with my partner and he knew what everything was, which helped because he basically, I had him walk me through the whole thing, but I definitely would recommend scanning a QR code otherwise. Um, but overall, I thought it was really cool. Like the way it was set up was just like kind of like two long hallways with like smaller horizontal hallways all the way through. If you were looking at it like top down, um, and so you could kind of weasel your way around it and look at it however you wanted. Um, like I went through it first and then I went through it again, again with my partner. And he actually kind of like gave me like a logistical chronological explanation of what everything was and what was going on, which I really appreciated and definitely added some insight. Um, and yeah, lots of people were taking pictures with them. Lots of people were talking about them. It seemed to open up a pretty good amount of like discussion and discourse like it didn't feel super disconnected like I feel like kind of fancy art exhibitions sometimes can mm -hmm. um and then they did have a couple benches for seating which was nice but the <laughs> the main place that had benches was in front of the last judgment which like I said was like enormous mm -hmm. yeah and it also had a much smaller video screen playing there um kind of just giving you like a an explanation of like judgment day and like mm -hmm. some of the different elements in it which I thought was really cool because there's some visuals there that I don't think I would have like fully understood the significance of without that video so it's definitely like accessible if you lo know like very little about the bible or if you know everything about the bible or like whatever wherever you kind of land whether you want to see it for that reason or for you want to just see it purely for like an art reason it all connects and everything is like super accessible. Um, speaking of accessible, it was only, it's only 1260 a person to get in. Wow. That's, so it's quite a bit yeah. cheaper. Yeah. Than like a lot of the other art Wait, shows. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Most of my mixed feelings already dissipated because part of my mixed feelings with the Van Gogh exhibit, which I thought was going to be very similar to this and probably was fairly similar, was because the price is like exorbitant. It was like $50. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was way cheaper. Um, similar in scale. Like I said, it doesn't have like the 3D moving screens, but I actually kind of liked that. Um, like I do think in some ways having the moving visuals lends itself. Like imagine whoever are usually shows that are supposed to be like artistic. Like it's not like just going to a gallery. But for me, I liked being able to like stop and look at all these paintings because they're huge. They took him years. And there's so much like vibrancy and detail that is otherwise like kind of lost on you if it's just like flashing in front of you for like 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it was really cool to actually be able to like stand there and just look at it for a while and like figure out what was going on and hear all the chatter around you. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have much more to say on it, but Still on? yeah, I it doesn't have an end date that oh. I could find on the website, but it's been on since November. I went and saw it on the 18th on Friday, which I think was the opening. Um, but I would like wholly recommend it. I think it's at a good price point. It's in a good part of town. Like you wouldn't have to go all the way out just for that. <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're yeah, on the water in downtown yeah. Vancouver. So there's lots to do after it. And yeah, overall, very cool. It was super cool. I'm going to scooch over to the yeah. microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, Olivia and I are sharing a microphone, um, which hasn't happened in a while, but it's really exciting because this means people are coming back to the studio. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you, Olivia, for that review. We're going to go into a quick ad and PSA break. And then right after, we're going to be back with Lua's review. So take it away, Alex. The Study and Go Abroad Fair is back in town on Tuesday, March 3rd at the Vancouver Convention Center, East Building. Meet face-to-face -face with top universities from around the world. Learn about degrees in law, medicine, health sciences, arts, technology, pharmacy, business, hotel management, and much more. Check out the Travel Zone for internships, language travel, and work abroad. For more info, visit www.studyandgoabroad.com. Admission is free. Who we view as the most authoritative and electable is rooted in systems of oppression. There are so many inequities around having our experts in our community speak about our work. Obviously there are several facets to this strangely homogenous nature of the electoral system. 
and to be left out of conversations, it only exemplifies that loss of self-esteem. Check out CITR's live panel podcast, Conversations, hosted by our Indigenous, Accessibility, and Gender Empowerment Collectives. Subscribe to Conversations, available now on iTunes. Welcome back. Hello. Hi. We just found out that the price for the exhibition that Olivia just talked about increased. Lua, how much did you say? Uh, $22.50. That's still not too bad. Yeah. Nowhere near. It's not twelve fifty, but it's yeah, it's, you know. <laughs> it's still better. Do they do you know if they have like student discounts or something? I don't think they do. The website doesn't look like it does. Oh. They do have a child price. Oh. Which so. is like half price. Yeah. But, um, is it still on? Yeah, it's yeah, still on. Yeah. Oh, cool. it is. I don't think it's gonna be off for a while. A while. Or at least I think they're gonna do it like until it loses popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, could be a month, could be two. Could be three. Could be three. Could be four. Who knows? <laughs> Dude, it's going to go on for a while. Have you guys seen The Office? Yeah. No? <laughs> of course. Oh, it's just there's this, yeah, the yeah. scene where it's like, uh, I think it's Dwight like, is eating his uh, canned food yeah. and then it's like Jim, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the apolic, uh, the apolic, apocalypse. There we go. That <laughs> can happen soon in two months. Yes. Three months. Could be. Four months. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> Just reminded me of that. <laughs> but yeah, so Lua, do you want to yes. Uh Yeah, I, sorry. I just got distracted as I was looking at the information. Yeah. I just got distracted by Noises Off. That is going to happen in February. Really? Um, yeah, I think they're bringing back Noises Off oh one God. more time. That was the really funny one, right? Yeah, that was like really, it's yeah. incredibly funny. It's one of the funniest plays I've ever seen. Oh I was God. literally crying yeah, Lo- with laughter. Lo and I <laughs> went to see it together, as we do. And it's so good. It was so funny because in the beginning, I was confused as to what's happening. So what happens is usually when we're going to see things, Lua reads them beforehand and knows what's happening, and I don't. I just go in there with zero expectations, zero knowledge and then see where it takes me and then um so lua just started you know understanding it finding it funny from the beginning and then i just kind of like it dawned on me a little later so i also started laughing but at that point lua was like at 100 uh, already yeah. and she's just slapping my <laughs> knee laughing and i'm slapping her knee laughing and then the people next to us are just like, like oh, it's okay. funny it's not that funny but i'm like it is yeah. that funny y'all just don't have a sense of humor yeah. <laughs> i love that um, we're both knee slappers yeah we're just you know? like slapping each other's knees while we're slapping. yeah you can't slap your own when you have someone else's yeah exactly <laughs> you gotta slap you know yeah anyway um so dolly parton's so the arts club is finally back in theater uh, which is really exciting with full productions That's they amazing. have an incredible lineup of plays planned for this season and it started with Dolly Parton's Smoky Mountain Christmas Carol. We stand Dolly Parton. We do love Dolly Parton. <laughs> so when I first saw this, um, the name of the display, I was like, oh, I want to go because Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Let me clarify. Dolly Par- Parton is not on the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she did not write the music. She did not write the show. She wrote the music for the show. So okay. this is a musical and all the songs are written by Dolly Parton. The story is that of um, the Christmas, a Christmas Carol. So um, the three ghosts of Christmas, you know, the classic one where Scrooge um, gets visited at midnight, but the ghost of the past, then goes to the present and the ghost of the future. And then it's like, oh, you're such a bad person. Really greedy. Don't be greedy anymore. You're going to die and be alone. Um, okay. And he wakes up and he's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to buy everyone in this town so yeah. much food and yeah <laughs> that's a story y'all uh i'm not spoiling anything it's it's a christmas carol um but in this particular version of it um it is set during the 1930s in the smoky mountain of east tennessee and it is a musical again, yes a musical uh that reimagines uh scrooge as the owner of a mining company that is actually it's a mining town. So basically he owns the mining company, which means he basically owns the entire town because mm-hmm. all the money comes back to him. 
And um, he's obviously very upset about Christmas season. He doesn't like it. Um, and there's a Christmas Eve snowstorm. And he is first visited by his deceased um, business partner. And then the three ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, so to talk about the actual play itself, other than like the general plot... Um, as usual with everything the art clubs produces, incredible production value, uh, incredible artist cast was impeccable, uh, live music, which is always great to have yes. at a musical. Um, I want to start talking about the music and then I want to talk about the performances, um, because I think as someone who isn't a very Christmassy person, Christmas is mm-hmm. not my favorite time of year. That's it's an kinda... insane statement, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Christmas is all right. <laughs> sorry. Just kind of choked on my own spit while I was laughing at that. <laughs> I was like, Christmas is all right. But, like, I don't necessarily love Christmas musicals or anything like that mm-hmm. or, like, Christmas movies or anything like that. But I do enjoy them once in a while. Like, I think they're fun. Yes. Um, and so to watch, to go into the show knowing that it is a Christmas carol, um, I go in and I'm like, oh, okay, like, this is kind of this is a story I already know, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to be surprised by the story. But the production value alone and the music really adds like a whole new layer to this show, and it's just like a really entertaining. Um, at the end of the day, very heartwarming because that's kind of the point of the story. Yeah. Um, heartwarming show. Uh, so yeah, they have live music. They have a f- basically a full live band. I think there are five different musicians. Um, and at one point, there is a washboard solo. What? Yeah. You know, like, the, so it's set in Tennessee and all the music uh, made by Dolly Parton is, you can hear that it's Dolly Parton, mm-hmm. which is something that I really appreciate. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I can, I can hear her right here. Like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, which is, which was great, right? Like, I, I'd be a little disappointed if I went to the Dolly Parton's Smoky yeah. Mountain Christmas Carol and didn't recognize Dolly Parton. So you can very clearly recognize that this is something that was made by Dolly Parton and as everything that Dolly Parton touches becomes gold this one <laughs> isn't any different uh, so yeah so throughout the the show the musicians uh, they aren't necessarily a part of the show but they are on stage with everything else and there is a washboard solo so like a washboard is a weird instrument because it's like a metal sheet that you I guess wash clothes on and then you kind of go <laughs> Oh yeah, it's the one with the ridges. Yeah, yeah. so that's so there was a washboard solo. That yeah. I I'm still thinking about that washboard solo because I'm just like I didn't know you could solo with a washboard. Um, <laughs> there was a banjo solo, a guitar solo, uh, and obviously a piano solo, which were all really really great. Um, the performers were great singers. I will say the harmonies were on point every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two songs that i was like i not sure if this is opening night they're going to fix this later but one of the singers was very off key oh like his voice was lovely but the piano and him were sing were like playing it through different keys and it annoyed me yeah <laughs> so in the much uh, That's surprising. Uh, I don't know if it was purposeful because it was kind of like a sang talked song kind mm-hmm. of thing, but it was very obviously off pit, like yeah. off key. Um, and honestly, looking back, I'm like, I wish he had just talked the line mm-hmm. and having the musical compliment rather than try to sing that part because mm-hmm. it was the only part throughout the show that, like, every time it, it happened, I think twice, and both times I was kind of like, ugh. <laughs> okay. Um, Unfortunate. Yeah. With that said, though, um, I want to talk about the casting because it was wonderful casting. It is a show with 10 different performers, uh, which is a lot. But at the same time, they're trying to create an entire village. Yeah. Uh, so when most people are multiple people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I will say, there was for me a little bit too little distinction between these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, uh, one of the for the ghosts of the past, there are two core memories that Scrooge watches. One of them is um, him having an argument with his dad, and he goes away. And his sister, who he loves very much, comes and um, 
like cheers him up Mm -hmm. and the second like kind of actually just following that scene is a party and he his sister and his dad had passed away and he um is in love with this girl and he proposes to her and he's super like but she says no and then as all evil anyway the the (laughs) trope of uh, a man that got his heart broken and now he's gonna be evil for the rest Uh of his life fucking sucks uh but that is the trope of this play because it is a very old play and you know all that all that jazz uh but the thing is the character that played his sister was the same character that played his girlfriend oh and i was just very very confused because yeah yeah because yeah. like if there was like a full costume change i would have been like oh obviously a different character yeah. but there she just put on a jacket oh. and i was just like oh he's proposing to his sister and then it clicks oh. that it was someone else and i was like oh okay that's not good okay that's that's fine but like weird weird choice yeah because weird choice just putting on a jacket you could just like you did might as well think that oh like that's a costume change for the sister like and was she yeah. cold like <laughs> yeah it was supposed to be like a snowstorm and stuff oh but my at the god same time, so, yeah I mean. <laughs> but at the same time i was just like like i wish there was like some color change you know how like the entire like her, yeah. his sister was like all in blue maybe she could have been a different color yeah it was very tight scenes but then maybe not double cast the actress might have been a good option but that's i think the only the only part that I was like, that's, uh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's weird. But the um, rest of the cast was. The rest of the cast was wonderful. Yeah. And, like, even that, that actress, I, I'm trying to find her name. Um, cause she's, uh, Crystal Kiron, I believe. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. No? No. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Was, also, while you find that, I'll ask a question. Was this at the Stanley? Oh, yes. This was at the Stanley. Uh, sorry. The, her name is Cynthia Yusuf. Uh, she was Maria in The Sound of Music. Oh! Yeah. She she has a beautiful, oh beautiful God. voice. Uh, so lovely. And she has incredible stage presence. So I understand wanting to double cast her, but I don't think that was, like, the smartest choice um, in that particular instance. Yeah. Um, I will know. say though, although she was like, there were two char- two people, two cast members that, although they were not main characters at all, and they had maybe like four scenes total combined, uh, they absolutely stole the show for me. How One of them were? was um, the actor who played both uh, Tiny Tim's father, mm-hmm. who was like uh, one of Scrooge's employees. And uh, he also played his business partner. Okay. So very opposing characters, very yeah. distinct um, roles. And it actually took me halfway through the play to realize it was the same actor. Oh. Uh, and that's how good he was at like code switching between because it wasn't. Ooh, it wasn't <laughs> just the. It wasn't just the costume change. It was like an entire change in his demeanor, which I thought was incredible. And I want to praise him so. Oh, Charlie Gallant. Um, oh, he he was incredible in his role. He literally stole the show for me. And my favorite song of the entire musical was one that he sang, where it's Scrooge's dead partner uh, visits him and is like, "You're going to hell, yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> like super cheery, like, "Yeah, let's go to hell!" <laughs> like, and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> let's do that." Oh so and the second cast member that to me also stole the show. Uh, I don't think she was ever named. I think she was all just minor characters. Um, and her name is Madeline Subde, Subadi, so Sudabi. Sorry. Um, she wasn't. Um, again, not any major characters. Only like townswoman or any mm-hmm. some things like that. But um, her her presence on stage was just so so strong that I couldn't pull my eyes away from her. So overall, great performance. Um, I think Arts Club, as usual, delivered. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just happy we're back in theater. And I can't wait to see more of the Arts Club's shows the, for the rest of the year. And 
joined the arts club, but with multiple people performing, because we've seen a couple arts club shows um, was a, before the season officially opened, and it was all one one person. Yeah, shows. one person yeah. plays. Yeah, so that's even makes it even more exciting. Yeah. And kinky boots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm <laughs> so excited. I'm boots. so ready for yeah. kinky boots. I'm so ready. There's no way I'm missing that play. I've <laughs> never seen kinky boots. Isn't that crazy? I oh, I've like... never seen it either. Oh, I've no? seen like all the, like, I know all the music. <laughs> yeah. like, I just really love musicals. Um, but it was one of the shows that they, it was about to open as when COVID hit. Yeah. So we literally had our tickets, yeah. like we were ready to go. And, and we're then... like, haha. <laughs> no, you're not. You. <laughs> so I just feel like, I need to go. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I need to complete the cycle of like, no, no, no. I did I, it. I, I went to the thing that COVID stopped me from going. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you will. I will. Hopefully. Let's not jinx it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, with that review, we are at the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we're not having a show next week. Because you might know that it's UBC's season exactly just <laughs> just as Lewis sang no sang oh my god <laughs> grab her <laughs> final season is starting for UBC students and all of our members are students which means except for you except for me yeah <laughs> which means it's going to be a bit difficult to get weekly shows up during finals so our next show will be on december 15th currently we have a review of babel 7.16 a review of that alex will do which is for uh serena lee i uh, have yet to really understand what the whole gallery review is going to be like um so i'm super excited to kind of uh, see what that's all about yeah yeah fun and also my interview with eric light about corleone and we might add a couple more things so i hope you add more christmas things <laughs> <laughs> just for lua well the interview is for a christmas show to be fair we <laughs> did go to the christmas market yes. and we talked about it last week yeah uh i went there again and i would like to um okay i love ketchup uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking if she goes to I'm going to yeah. talk about <laughs> to ketchup. To a performer, <laughs> like, no, no, no. To an artist, no. I love ketchup. There is this one booth, I can't remember their name right now, but basically they are based in Kelowna and they um it's basically save fruit that would have been gone to waste. Um which is like great for the environment. Yeah. And they created different sauces. So they have like a cherry barbecue sauce. They have a peach um, ketchup. And that I'm obsessed with that peach ketchup. Ooh, I don't know how I feel it's about peach so, ketchup. It's Was so it good. Because yes? it's like slow bottled Sunday. Yes, that's yes. it. I, I'm just, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> go to the Christmas market. I literally got a bottle and I'm like, yeah. I'm, so, I'm, I'm so happy. I remember when we got a sample, Lou was like, I love this. I'm going to come back and buy a bottle. Like, Do it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Thank you for that, Lou. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see you back here on 15th. Also, before we go. I do want to give a quick shout out to my friend Brennan because, guys, we did it. Our podcast was his number one podcast on his Spotify Wrapped. So, um, if you want to get a shout out, <laughs> listen, listen to, to us, us more. <laughs> yeah, listen to us on Spotify, <laughs> and maybe we'll be on your Wrapped too. <laughs> but yeah, until then, thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the fifteenth. Have a nice one. Bye. Bye. Promises like how to put it on Right, my gosh, you put me better than me Any 